Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. Hey, you're older, none the wiser. I uh, just got back. I ended up staying home for close to a week. It was glorious. So I, I grew up in Virginia, but my parents live in North Carolina now on the coast. And guys, like I just, you know, it's I hadn't been on a plane, you know, like everybody in what, eight months. I didn't really run in the green grass. Not that I did that either, but I could have. I haven't been able to like swim in an open body of water. I did go to Michigan for a couple brief days here and there. But, you know, guys, I just love the East Coast. I love being at home. I love having chocolate milk and Land Lakes white American cheese at my disposal. I remember I wrote some article one time about the things I wish I knew when I was 18. And one of the points I wanted to make to any, you know, young people out there is that there will come a day when all you want to do is be able to hang out at home and hang out with your parents. I dream of having meals on Sunday, of, of watching The Bachelor with my dad and hearing him be outraged about how he would never give somebody permission to pr- propose to me on a hometown date. I, I, I like being an unapologetic version of myself. I, I love going home to a comfy bed and all my favorite food is in the fridge and they let me sleep in. And unlike when you're a teenager, your mom suddenly actively encourages you to take up space and do absolutely nothing. It's so exciting to like go out and off on your own in life. And it's wonderful to be independent and fierce. And I support and endorse all of those things because I think it's important to miss things. I think it's important to appreciate things. And while I know everyone's family looks different, and I'm so lucky to have both my parents, whatever your home situation may be, or whatever atmosphere in which you find, you know, yourself the most understood and and at ease, it's almost just a funny version of a vacation that when you're in your adolescence in college you know you're the one friend that doesn't get to go to Punta Cana or better you know clock eight days in the panhandle and you're like damn you I have to go home but now I'd opt for spring break suburbia now I'd opt to go to my parents house as a vacation over a vacation because my interests have changed the Florida panhandle has nothing on my mom's pot filler those things are awesome. You can fill a pot at your stove. <laughs> These are the things I'm old enough to appreciate, but not quite at the, quite at the place in life where I have a home that, that I will have them. So I like the nice amenities. And I don't know. I just I feel like until I was older, I didn't really realize how, you know, I, I, I know I'm so, so lucky and so privileged to even be saying this, but I mean less about the things and more about the underlying sentiment. And that when you're a kid, you kind of just like live in like the world's coziest hotel where the people that love you are, are and you love are under one roof. You're fed, you're given shelter, you're often entertained. Sure, you have to chip in with chores now and again, but the towels are fluffy, the kitchen's clean, the pantry's organized, everything has a place. There's actual human food to eat and assemble to make into actual meals in the fridge. When I wake up, there's already coffee made. They remember to put sodas and water bottles in the fridge so they'll be cold when you drink them. I just always forget and drink them lukewarm. I am just a little bit disorganized and I'm just, I've moved so much and I have, we rent and I don't know. It's just like, I think that there's a difference maybe of like pride and care you take in your household when it's yours and for in their case, something they built. And I, uh, it's like funny. I just don't, 
even realize that a lot of the things I'm probably like missing about my lifestyle at you know my home in Chicago are probably because they were just always done as when I was a kid and I didn't even notice what was going on behind the scenes and how like cushy that <laughs> that situation was and I really took it for granted and I you know I'm I exaggerate I, I'm I, I don't live amongst the dust bunnies I'm not Linus I'm not like a disorganized uh, immature monster I have my life together but you, you guys know what I mean there's like a touch that some people have that makes something so much more hospitable so much more homey I think I told you last week when I walked into my sister's home which I hadn't seen yet since she moved I, I cried it was so cozy it was so homey it smelled it smelled like cloves and cinnamon there were 26 pumpkins that's so many pumpkins <laughs> I just felt, I just felt, I, I I really appreciate being able to go home. And uh, I curse sometimes that, you know, what I, the decisions in my life didn't lead me to be a little bit closer. But I value the concentrated amounts of quality time, uh, however few and far between there they are. And I know a lot of you have been, this year has been tough because we're, if you're already distanced from your family and then you, you're actively not just socially distanced, but forbidden to travel to them. I lamented constantly on here that I wish I had gone to my parents right, like right before this happened. Uh, because you just, you really resent missing out on what could have been quality time. All you want is the time to, where you don't have anywhere to be. And I was given that the past eight months and couldn't see them. And it was torture and it was really, really nice to go home. So anyway, let's snorkel, shall we? Uh, I have so many. mm, It's like I have everything and nothing to say. And my favorite episodes are where I actually don't have predetermined things to snorkel through. But I've but I kind of just see where tangents take me and we go with it. But I kind of appreciate that now I can divide my episode types almost up into like three types. It's deep dives, where I focus on one topic. Snorkels, where I focus on different topics and tangents for like 10, 15, 20 minutes each. Um, Kate Lila's, which are answering listener questions. And then, you know, whatever bonus stuff I do on the side or interviews. So yeah, a snorkel is like, you know, uh, what it sounds like. Instead of a deep dive, it's it's a series of... uh, shallow swims through whatever topics uh, string together these next two hours. And I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, I do want to mention the, the Finding Freedom podcast with Merit is still coming. The first 45, five, first 45 minutes are on patreon.com slash be there in five. But yeah, coming soon. It's a great episode. I love Merit. It's fun if you've read or listened to Finding Freedom, the Harry and Megan Megxit, sus exit story. It's so almost comically written by Megan and in her favor, it's almost confusing. And anyway, we'll get into that later. But again, first 45 minutes on patreon.com slash be there in five, along with my Gilmore Girls fanfic and all sorts of other slightly embarrassing niche topics that I feel like aren't a right fit for the iTunes feed. Uh, but I have to say, I, the one thing I love about you guys is I, I, you're very open and willing to my most embarrassing niche desires and crossovers as it relates to pop culture topics. And you always surprise me with what you're interested in. And it's giving me the courage to be more myself, <laughs> if you will. For example, I spent the better part of last week on Instagram and by myself going through these American Girl Doll catalogs. My mom saved me from uh, winter 91 and spring 92. 
and my God, I could taste them. I could smell them. I, I, I could feel the, the weight of the ballpoint pen with a weird, you know, B2B business logo that my dad brought home from the office with a chewed cap that, that I would circle the items with and ask, nay, demand from Santa that I get their furniture. I can taste the cereal I was eating while I flipped through these catalogs. My, at the breakfast table, you pick your poison. I feel like my brother was typically reading the back of the cereal box. I was typically nose deep in American Girl catalogs or um, L.L. Bean catalogs were slightly entertaining, too, and we got a lot, way too many of them. And then at a later date, Delia's girlfriend's L.A. Aloy. You know the drill. Uh, but anyway, it was so sensory and enjoyable. And go to my Instagram highlight AG to see it. I don't want to be redundant. Um, I want to record something about AG dolls, and I, I haven't gone through Samantha and Molly yet. But I think I was starting to get like, okay, this is this is going on for so long. It's t- it took me so long to go through it. And like laugh about all the things I wanted to reminisce about. It's so sensory for me. And I was such a fan of the dolls. And moreover, I, I read all the books and I just have very fond memories of wanting like tiny furniture that really makes me laugh and of having Kirsten because she looked like me and fully rewriting her story because the frontier bummed me out so hard that I wanted her to live Samantha's life. So I basically just completely ignored the strong, incredible immigrant she was in favor of the bougier alternative. When now, I, you know, I feel I, I feel badly about that. Do I still think her life is miserable? Yeah. Do I think her best friend needed to die in a low-budget riverboat of cholera? Not really. It was a little tough for me to be my first point of entry into the AG doll books. But what are you going to do? It's a great source of creativity. When I was on the plane home, I... I have my best ideas on planes, and LOL that I'm calling this my best idea. Um, but I just hadn't been on the plane all year, really, since February. And I, uh, like, just in my head, I was like, I have to drop everything, and I have to rewrite Hamilton's Helpless, call it Jealous, and have it be about the first time Kirsten met um, Samantha, like, in my doll world of, like, what their interaction would be like, and how I wish it went in terms of Kirsten coming around and ultimately embracing um, the strong, independent, immigrant, American, Swedish-American girl she is. And uh, I heard in my head that Lin-Manuel's interstitial, like, Eliza, I don't have a dollar to my name, that whole thing. I don't know. Anyways, that's on Instagram, too. I don't need to sing it for you. It's honestly, like, that's probably maybe the most embarrassing and weird thing I've ever done, and I can't thank you enough for wel- welcoming my niche uh, crossover Venn diagram centers with open arms. But yeah, I mean, the the real theme of, of my commentary is just like Samantha was far superior to the other dolls in terms of accessories, clothes, etc. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Graham married Mad Coin. I don't hate her for it. I, you know, it's she was an orphan. She had her struggles, too. Not only I'd say coin, but like literally, she's the only one I remember actually having like physical money in her purse. It's like, oh, we already get it. I could have told you that from the stunning drop waist brown gingham with the you know brown ribbon, the the locket, the fresh blowout in your hair, the stunning bow in the back, the thick, thick Zoe de Chanel CC level new girl bangs, the velvet hat, the the tiny change purse with real money in it. What, 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 what's British money called? British. Why'd I say that? Victorian. What, what were they called? Cents? Shillings? Uh, pence? What are pence? I think I'm just thinking of that because of that band that's saying kiss me. Anyway. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she had a pretty cushy life relative to the other American gals. Her teddy bear had its own velvet pram with uh, brass hardware. Yet Kirsten, I'd flip through one season and be like, wow. She comes with a wooden spoon. What a luxury. 
Uh, pause for a brief advertisement sponsored by ButcherBox, something Kirsten definitely could have used a stockpile of meat in the Minnesota winter when she was forced to forge for herself at a very young age. God bless her. You guys know I love ButcherBox. I've worked with them for a while. I think they're a great company. They single-handedly sustained me during quarantine. And their entire premise is that they believe when it comes to meat that quality matters. And there's a lot of hidden costs with low-quality meat. It's hard to find high-quality, humanely raised meat at a good price point. And beyond that, the regulations for the quality of meat are incredibly murky. And I said it once, I'll say it again. A cow can have one blade of grass and then eat corn for the rest of its life and be considered grass-fed. We need grass-finished beef. We need free-range organic chicken. We need heritage-breed pork. We need wild-caught salmon at the grocery store. My husband's quarantine hobby is sous-viding meat. It was slow cooking in a pot. I don't really get how it works. It looks like a hand blender. All I know is, as the beneficiary of this uh, method of cooking, the meat is outstanding. We've been doing it with everything from pork to steak. And I just, I don't know, I feel a little bit better about knowing I'm eating high-quality meat that was humanely sourced from animals that are treated well, and it's better for the environment. And beyond that, convenient. It just shows up at your door. You'll never be without something to cook for dinner. There will always be meat in the freezer. Every single month, they send you 9 to 11 pounds of meat. That's enough for 24 individual meals. And it's packed fresh, shipped frozen, and vacuum sealed. You can kind of customize it with the meats you want. Sometimes I get bacon. Sometimes I go wild and get ground beef. Or you can pick one of their assortments. I, I just, I, I don't know. It's such a no-brainer for me. I've been using this for a long time. And the, it comes out to around like $6 a meal. And, you know, they say every dollar we spend casts a vote for the type of world you want to live in. And I feel at ease casting my vote, spending my dollars with ButcherBox, knowing what they stand for. And um, if you want to try it, ButcherBox is offering new members ground beef for life. Just to more specifically, two pounds of ground beef in every box for the life of your subscription. If you go to butcherbox.com slash be there in five, that's butcherbox.com slash be there in five for convenient, high quality, humanely raised meat delivered right to your door. So Kirsten's hot accessory in her, uh, well, first was a spoon pouch that fortunately did come with a spoon. So got to give credit where credit's due. But then I'd feverishly flip through the catalog the next season to see what the latest accessory was that they added to her collection. And it would just be a freaking bigger spoon. It was like a ladle. In a bucket. I was just a shallow kid who did not get what was going on. And I was like, less watering hole, more Waterford Crystal. You know, it's just, I, I can't help it. I like finer things. <laughs> I was I was so hard on her. And meanwhile, I don't know, as I was slipping through this last week, I, I, I mean, you guys know I have trouble in general not constantly drawing Hamilton parallels to things, even though it came out five years ago. And it, the, the parallels are unmatched. I mean, Kirsten's an immigrant. Uh, Samantha's an orphan. Felicity's colonial. Molly is an American girl in the midst of a world war. Uh, they, they all are experiencing sacrifice in their own right. Um, a lot of that is very similar to the plight of Alex Hamilton. And you know it's impossible for me to not write parody songs. And I just, I'm, I'm going to try to stop. Uh, the one that didn't really work out because, I, you know, in the eye of the hurricane, there is quiet. In the eye of the riverboat, there is cholera. Sometimes it wasn't really working, but I do think Helpless worked. I do think How Does a Spunky, you know, sprightly colonial gal from Virginia. I, it's something on my Instagram story with Felicity and the, you know, introductory song as well as You'll Be Back. There was a few other loose things I, I uh, you know, tried to workshop with my family. Not, not the best. Didn't go over well. 
again, niche humor, but that's why I'm so grateful for you guys for understanding me so deeply. And uh, anyways, I just, it's kind of funny how many parallels you can draw. And it's, it was a fun uh, walk down memory lane, to say the least. I really, I think I do at some point for Halloween want to dress as Kirsten in her St. Lucia crown. It's like, she just straight up put lit candles on her head and was like, whatever. And it was fierce. She like invented Christmas. I look at that St. Lucia outfit for every, for every one of her downfalls. I think she made up for it with that. I mean, like, I just, I don't know. I was, I was a monster. I... When I found out how much like help Samantha had and how little she had to do for herself, I was like, this is the treatment I want. And while I'm at it, I want window treatments on my bed like Felicity. She is like Ebenezer Scrooge and Mickey's a Christmas Carol, the ghost of Christmas present. She can just tuck away in that gorgeous gingham red number underneath uh, quilts of plenty that she didn't have to stitch herself. I, I wanted a top sheet. Is that too much to ask? Kirsten didn't have one. <laughs> I did the math comparing Kirsten's furniture accessories clothes to Samantha's. And on average, Samantha's had about a 15% markup. My question is, did parents buy Kirsten's because they looked like you if you were blonde when you were a kid? Or did they make the astute observation that it was a better long-term investment given the markup on Samantha and Felicity's was even worse uh, items? Hard to say, hard to say. I mean, thank God for Ikea. Otherwise, my impression of Swedish furniture would have been bleak for life. Uh, the, the, she had this trunk <laughs> and in the description no other doll do they suggest you place her in her trunk because other dolls are like steamer trunks kirsten has a trunk coffin hybrid that in the text of the caption they suggest you toss kirsten there as well it's like what her life's been hard enough just toss her in the trunk double it as a coffin close the lid and make that be her top sheet for eternity because her life's been hard enough it's like yikes for samantha's trunk you're given tiny doll hangers to nicely hang her clothing on like favoritism at its finest the new american girl doll her name is courtney she's from the 80s um i don't know how to feel about her the clothing and the setup and the furniture, it's all so good and it's all so, like, almost cliche. I worry about the historical inaccuracies because not to be that person, but the, she has, like, a clear Conair phone where you can see the insides and they're all multicolored. We all know what that is. That came out in 89 and she's allegedly from 86. I'm not trying to be a stickler, but the American Girl doll creators, the Pleasant Company, now Mattel, maybe they're a little sloppy, are known for being meticulous about historical accuracies. I am slightly concerned that Courtney is a little too, like, on-the-nose cliche 80s. Like, I don't know if I need my historical meaningful figures that are teaching me, you know, about life in, a, in the U.S. in different formats through the eyes of different women's struggles. I, I don't know if that person that is going to teach me these meaningful life lessons is, you know, wearing leggings, uh, Jordache, acid wash, you know, jean skirt and off-the-shoulder top, a scrunchie, a DJ Tanner bang, you know, hanging at the mall next to the Orange Julius. But I'm relieved because it's better than Blair, <laughs> the doll last year. They've talked about several times because her her plight, her struggle was that she uh, owned a B&B with her parents and had a farm-to-table restaurant and had to navigate the difficulties day-to-day uh, uh, -day of food sensitivity. <laughs> not even allergies, not even EpiPens. Just, you know, she, she, gluten made her tummy hurt. It's like, are you kidding me? Try telling Molly McIntyre, who had to ration food, for the war. And she, you know, bravely, patriotically, you know, made that victory garden and grew turnips and it was forced to eat them even though they were her least favorite food for her country. To try to tell Molly about the perils of food sensitivity. Food sensitivity isn't an option when you're rationing for war. 
when you're, you know, you, something with war bonds. I never remember what the war bonds are. I just remember her talking about it. <laughs> anyway, we're not even to Molly yet. I got to move on. But I think that I've honestly say what you want about it, but just even adding TikTok into my repertoire of things I regularly check has been great because I felt a lot more creative. And I feel justified in kind of diving into these niche crossovers uh, like Gilmore Girls fanfic or Hamilton American Girl doll crossovers that because of TikTok's strong algorithm gets the right people usually. And it doesn't always hit, doesn't always win. I don't even need it to. I try to follow more so where my energy lies in terms of what I pursue than how well I think it'll do because, I mean, who cares? It doesn't really matter. Like, when people say, don't let this fluff, I'm like, this is not the mentality we need to have in this life. If you make something, you put effort into it. Don't, it's not about if it not making it flop. It's like, can't stop, won't stop. I think it is a hospitable environment for creativity, for niche, for quirk, for selective humor. And I just, I, I really have enjoyed it, as you guys very well know. And while I don't want to fully shift, it's, I don't want to like DM or do lives or like communicate on TikTok. Like, I want it to be social entertainment, not social media. Um, actually, well, I f- it's funny. I feel like sometimes I'll go over recent news, but I feel like more often than not, my episodes are evergreen. And I kind of want them to be. But I also need to like talk about what's going on in the world. Full disclosure, I'm a little bit uh, behind from taking off a week. I, there's so much stuff I need to get caught up on. Paris Hilton's documentary. Uh, the, the monstrosity of Jerry from Cheer, my God. Like, Carol Baskin killed her husband, whacked him on Dancing with the Stars. Her husband, her uh, missing husband's family took out a an ad with a reward. I mean, wow, the shade. Um, I don't know how to feel about her. But anyway, I, there's th- th- those are hardly the most important things going on in the world in addition to, I don't know, an election year that's happening in the, in the midst. But I'm a little behind. But anyway, uh, what I do know, because I pay attention, because I knew the deadline was looming, is that the... What what I'm hearing is that TikTok will be acquired by Oracle, and they turned down Microsoft's proposal. It's not entirely true, though. That's kind of what I've been reading, hearing around. But what actually happened is when Trump put that deadline on, you know, you guys need to sort out something to meet our security standards by September 13th, or and then September 19th, I think was another date. Uh, the assumption was Microsoft would make a bid. And they have, you know, the deepest pockets and probably the security capabilities to align with what they deem necessary for national security to for TikTok to be able to have the 100 million users it currently has in the United States sustainably. Um, But they rejected Microsoft's proposal because it would have required them to involve themselves in the code that makes up the proprietary algorithm of the For You page, which is the bread and butter, the intellectual property, the genius behind TikTok that serves up this incredibly niche content that I find inspiring because they pay such close attention to your behavior in terms of how many times you watch it if you navigate through their profile but don't follow. They, I mean, I think they pay attention mostly to like shares and copy links that counts as a share. They, they really figure out like your unique intersections of interest and the For You page fascinates me and it is an outstanding algorithm. I've never, I've always said like, I know that the data security problems are there, absolutely. I think it's a huge issue, especially if you have any tie to military intelligence, if you are, you know, working with proprietary information in the private sector, if you are, you know, a person whose biometric data or location-based data is in any way tied to uh, national security, like, my God, no, don't have TikTok on your phone. There's a million reasons not to. My argument has always been for your average citizen. I think they 
the threat is using the data in aggregate uh, for like a, more of a propaganda or spread of misinformation type purpose. I don't think they're interested in spying on people at the individual, you know, respondent level because it's not about you and your identity. I think with uh, data privacy, people really misunderstand. Like nobody really cares about like who you are. It's about what your data represents and how it can be grouped as birds of a feather to kind of target you as a type of audience with certain behaviors that can kind of be sold or used to inform the way you're advertised to. Uh, it's not as personal, I think, as people make it. And beyond that, there's so many apps. And it's like, do you know who the parent company of all these apps that have all these terms that are click wrapped and you just agree to to download them? Uh, so the while it is very serious for a communist nation to uh, be collecting this immense level of user data because they're, you know, even in you know, the so-called private sector in China, the government is allowed to be granted access to like everything. And the, you know, China having access to uh, individual user data, especially for those tied to any sort of national security uh, related, you know, job or military intelligence or some sort of high profile deal that might be going on or like, who the hell knows? There's a lot of things you don't want them to have transparency into. And we also don't want, you know, a kind of Cambridge Analytica situation happening again, where there's propaganda and misinformation and fake news and data is being mined to manipulate the public. Like, that's a nightmare. I don't understand all the ins and outs of that. I'm still on the app. I don't know if I should be ashamed of that. But um, all that to say, I do think that what Microsoft is going to try to do is uh, clean up the algorithm to meet security standards or what it collects to inform the algorithm. But that is, you know, all of their intellectual property. Like that is that is what TikTok is. That's why it's as good as good as it is and why people love it. And I think the level of specificity of what it's looking at is probably pretty alarming if you, you know, they were transparent about it and they won't give up the code for that. They want a partner that they don't have to reveal the code to. My assumption is that they are partnering with Oracle. And by the way, the news kind of positioned it as an acquisition. My understanding is that it's a technology partnership, very specifically, in which some aspect of Oracle's, you know, cloud solutions, database management security, whatever it is, uh, will be leveraged in making TikTok more secure in the United States. But there is no ownership on Oracle's part of TikTok. ByteDance is not transferring ownership. ByteDance is a parent, Chinese parent company, if I didn't say that earlier. And um, so I don't know if, if that's going to be acceptable enough for to pass in the U.S. to still have TikTok. I still think a ban would be incredibly hard. And unrealistic, and I think it's kind of an empty threat. But knock on wood, I uh, can't lose my my, my tiptoe, my tip talk, my <laughs> favorite guy who's a 150 pound tortoise whose page I frequent. Uh, but also, I think the reason that they declined Microsoft's proposal not only because they needed access to the algorithm, but because they have consumer facing products. Microsoft has enterprise solutions, but they also have personal computers and devices and apps and things that directly interface with a consumer. And the, you know, the code of the algorithm that makes TikTok so unique and special and what gives it value, a company that has other consumer facing products having access to that obviously has its concerns and threats for them in a competitive sense. And I think they went with Oracle because Oracle does not have consumer facing products and it is all B2B enterprise back end. And they have the capabilities in the deep pockets without the you know potential threat of utilizing this intelligence for their own uh, you know, monetary gain or profiting or competitive product. Anyways, that was a lot in a short period of time, but that's my understanding of what's going on with TikTok. If you wanted to know, I'll keep you posted. But I just, I don't know. Like, I, I have very specific 
uh, niche areas or senses of humor or like obsessions that they they always seem to figure out. Like Andrew Lloyd Webber doing Phantom of the Wapra. A.L. Dub and Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion, are you kidding me? <laughs> what an iconic duo. Like I said earlier, my, my, my best guy, Tiptoe the Tortoise, he is a king. Uh, if, like this tortoise is so influential, <laughs> so influential. My tallest tiptoe spinning in my highest heels, shining just for me. Tiptoe, I think, is over a million followers. He grazes on grass. He loves to eat fruit. He goes on walks. The his owner dangles snacks with a fishing wire, so he thinks the food's moving. That's the only way you can get him to walk because he's so slow. It takes him forty-five minutes to go around the block. He, the re okay, you know how I feel about when influencers reach the point of being unrelatable. I'd say the, the, the pretty solid indicator uh, of how to know that somebody's, you know, on the cusp of being unrelatable and you'll probably start to resent them soon and become more of a hate follow is when they get, the, get veneers because then they're on camera enough to the point where they're picking apart their appearance, which is sad. But another example of, you know, being on the cusp of being out of touch and an inaccessible, successful influencer that you're just like, man, what the hell am I doing with my life is a renovation. And guess who is in the process of renovating his very sizable patch of grass and fenced in area with his own private house? Tiptoe the tortoise. This GD tortoise has FU new construction money. And I don't know if it's the most adorable thing I've ever heard or I'm outraged. I'm very confused. I still love him. I still follow closely. What was I talking about? Oh, niche TikTok. Yeah, I mean, I, I talked to you. I, they, they have solid cottagecore. There's, I'm getting served a lot of Mary-Kate and Ashley movie humor, which is just a really solid intersection of my interests. I like Irish dance TikTok. I like evangelical TikTok. I like Mormon TikTok. I've, you know, I, I, I've, I've effed around with some uh, toothbrush TikTok where they show you the dynamic of bristle count and the effects it has on your teeth. <laughs> If there are five things in your apartment that just make sense, my day does not make sense without them. I must know. What products do I need off of Amazon? I, I get the best tips. It's Chinese street fashion TikTok is my favorite. I hate when people splash water on their babies. I don't like when couples play pranks on each other because I, I like to cringe, but I, um, I have trouble watching people trick people. It really, I find it upsetting. I'm not a prankster. Uh, I... I at one point, I favorited a video of a Barbie that I suppose was supposed to be some sort of stripper, exotic dancer, excuse me, uh, whose legs and arms were holding on to the whatever stirs the thing of a KitchenAid mixer. And then they'd turn on the KitchenAid mixer and Barbie would spin around the mixer thing uh, to the tune of pour some sugar on me. And as I watched myself hit the favorite button, I thought... What, what, what have we come to? <laughs> do, 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 is this my favorite? Do I really like this? Or am I just amazed that this is the type of content getting millions of hits? And am I amazed? Am I appalled? Or honestly, I just do not have a problem and cannot hate at something that is one minute that for some reason or another brings people joy, if only because it is so incredibly narrow in audience target. But KitchenAid Barbie stripping to pour some sugar on me has no audience so it's almost has this ability to identify elements of humor or interest within ourselves that that we did not know existed and i think it's beautiful uh bath and body works scent humor there's like people pretending to be bath and body works employees 
There, there are people that are uh, reenacting what it's like to interact with somebody at the computer of a tanning bed. My God. It, like, are there more aloof people in this world that chomp their gum harder and make you feel more insignificant than the computer person click clacking away at a sun salon telling you you need to buy lotion, you're going to burn, and that you cannot tan because you tanned within 24 hours? And you're like, but I have formals tomorrow. And they're like, I don't care. And then they're like, your package is almost out. And you're like, I'll just go tan to tan. I don't want packages. I don't want this to be the planet fitness of my own impending skin cancer that charges me and is impossible to cancel. So I'll just go tan to tan. And they're like, well, if you get the package for two years, you'll save $7. And then you're like, shit, that's fresh. That deal is good. <laughs> I, better, I better hop on that. Uh, I spend far too many minutes, nay, hours of my life searching for coupon codes to save nominal amounts of money. And there's just not, nothing quite like that adrenaline uh, of a deal. The, the, the manipulation that happens at tanning salons and the impact on people like me that are too, you know, that want to be liked by people, particu particularly by chronically unfriendly people, and who would use the time in the tanning bed to mull over my unfavorable treatment uh, by the person at the front desk. And I almost always convince myself it's because I wouldn't buy lotion. All, all those girls do at the front is push lotion on you. It always has like a skull and crossbones on it. it, it they smell like chocolate or like... I, 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 for some odd reason, I thought that me having a, you know, a, a scent of burnt skin plus the scent of being downwind of a chocolate factory... Plus the outline of a Playboy bunny on my lower left hip equals I'd have a formal date equals I'd finally get to, you know, decorate a cooler that was actually for my date and not have to, like, stay up decorating all my friends' coolers because they didn't have as good of hand handwriting as I did, but I didn't actually get to go to formals. It's kind of like asking your friend who didn't get invited to prom to, like, come do your hair and make You know what I mean? It stung a little. Uh, but I still went to the tanning salon anyways, and I regret it every day of my life. I can't believe I ever thought that was a good idea. I am shocked and appalled. I am on such high alert for skin cancer. And I let those I let those young ladies convince me that there was nothing wrong. Essentially turning myself into a human rotisserie chicken, basking in the glow of UVA and UVB rays directly onto my skin for concentrated amounts of time. They always, like, well, first of all, there's this toxic culture that I, I, I pray we're on the other side of. But there was this saying that got stuck in my head. If you can't tone it, tan it. If, like, I don't want to tone it, so I would just tan it. But that's not, it's just not true. It's just not. <laughs> sure, we all look better, a little bit better when we're, like, sun-kissed, when we have some vitamin D, when we, we want to look alive. But if you're pale, you're pale. And I just think you're better off embracing the natural parts of you and making it work than constantly trying to correct for elements of your outward appearance that just aren't fundamentally going to change. And moreover. Let's not Im implement toxic language like if you can't tone it, tan it to make people A, forego exercise in favor of something far more carcinogenic and less healthy, and B, who cares if it's not toned or tanned? You know, let's just exist. And I think about these phrases, I mean, I'm trying to think of like other little phrases that seem to be ubiquitous among like sorority girls or a moment on the lips, lifetime on the hips. Like what? There's still a lot of language about foregoing joy in favor of being thin. And I just find it deeply upsetting that I essentially condensed phrases that represent the body image portion of girl wash your face where Rachel Hollis tells you that we aren't meant to be overweight. And well, to directly quote, humans were not made to be out of shape and severely overweight. 
she also goes into why, you, you know, if you had a friend that would never honor their commitments, would you trust them? Would you want to be around them? No. So if you don't honor your diet commitments to lose weight, who's going to want to be around you? Do you want to even be your own friend? It's like, what? I, I, there, I, have, I have no words for <laughs> how many layers of problematic that is. I, actually, I do. I've talked about it in three podcast episodes. But um, I still can't get over how that is the most popular self-help book in recent years. It, it, it kills me. I don't I don't want to be advised. I don't want to be a guru or her tattoo reads on her forearm. A mogul, a mogal. I want to dropkick copies of that book that are making women in situations where it's completely permissible to not be solely worrying about their outward appearance because they have other stuff going on in their life because they're human beings that shouldn't be valued on their physical appearance. And they also should never be shamed for their own decision making because they're probably doing what's right for them. I just want I, I need their literature to like. I just need that to stop. I need her popularity to stop. Like she got divorced at the end of May and her book comes out in like two weeks. I wrote a, again, a a 28 page book that was 82 lines and it took one calendar year to come out when it was, you know, done by a publisher. Granted, no one cares about my stuff and it wouldn't be expedited. I'm sure they're all hands on deck, but it's called like, what's it called? Uh, I didn't see that coming. And it's like, oh my God, we all saw that coming. And if she goes back on so many of her words and about commitment and her relationship advice and all the things she's said up until this point, it's this crazy thing where I want people to evolve and I believe in transparency and I'm sure she's not all bad. But when you've spent the greater part of your career and made millions off of giving very frank advice to women, branding yourself as a non-expert, and then go back on your own advice, you essentially just derailed millions of women's lives. I just, I I, want to give people the grace to get out of bad marriages, to see the other side of a toxic relationship, however long it takes you. I don't, I try not to commodify people to the, to the space where I'm no longer talking about them like they're a human person with feelings, because I don't like when people do that to me. And, um, it's so hard to know what goes on behind the scenes, but I just think this is the danger of bringing in your husband, having a bad relationship, but prioritizing content. And even though your relationship is crumbling, choosing to still give people relationship advice anyway, that is hollow at best. I'm, it's like, I don't want to read it, but I'm curious what she'll go back on. I'm curious what she wasn't being honest about. And I'm curious if people are going to be okay with a woman hawking her advice transparency and quote-unquote realness in a book that offers a suggestion to give yourself very little grace very little nuance and that speaks in such a harsh manner that is so incredibly black and white about how people should live their lives and encourages women to stop making making excuses i'm just so curious if this book will be a series of excuses because how, what else is it going to be if you give people marriage advice and charge them for it, monetize it, go to conferences? Like how, it's just crazy to me that you would feel comfortable doing that if your marriage was on the rocks. It's one thing to be transparent about your marriage being on the rocks. It's another thing to be borderline accusatory and shame inducing to people that get themselves out of situations and telling them that they should stay committed. You know, it's like, Whatever. I didn't even mean to get on this tangent. Why was I even talking about Rachel Hollis? Oh, because if you can't tone it, tan it. Um, uh, there's like, 
There's funny um, colloquialisms that I've heard throughout my life that when I think of them, I try to write them down because I think they're funny. Uh, you just tell people simply, I, I just need a base tan. I just need a base. Yeah, I'm just I'm just here to get a base. And it's like, no, you're not. That's a level 10. You're in there for 18 minutes. Tanning salons would use uh, the importance of getting a base as a reason you should go to tanning salons as if it were a safer option. I first went, didn't tell my parents when I was like 15. I lied about my age. I put down all my information. And I think I told you at one point, I had uh, creditors coming after me because they kept debiting my account. My mom put a stop payment on it. And like then collections agencies came after me and effed my credit in my early 20s. And when I had to buy my suit on my New York and company credit card, I had a very high interest rate. <laughs> I'm fine now. Made it through. I feel like my energy levels are off-puttingly high. I hate when people leave me. I get comments that are like, are you on something or are you high? And I'm like, well, one's uppity and one's slow. And I don't know. I don't know. It just depends on my mood. Don't you guys have moods? Don't you talk fast when you get excited about things? I uh, I just, you know, sometimes I'm like, am I even making sense? But anyway, first, well, second sponsor today that I want to shout out because we love them. Liquid IV. Liquid IV single-handedly hydrates me through my days. I love their products. I love their energy multiplier they recently came out with. And I love their bread and butter, their uh, standard Liquid IV Multi like hydration multiplier that is a dr drink mix that makes one bottle of water into like two to three. It's pretty incredible. But their energy multiplier is their newest product. It has roughly 100 milligrams of clean caffeine. It's the perfect coffee replacement and an all-natural alternative to processed energy drinks for a sustained energy boost throughout the day. Hence why I'm talking a million miles a minute. I definitely have trouble feeling groggy throughout the day. And when I wake up, I'm trying not to drink so much coffee, and but I like I, that three to four o'clock period hits when I lose steam, and this is kind of the perfect remedy. I think that that you know decreased focus and lack of motivation, the bad moods I get in. I just I like having a way to kind of counteract that dip and upgrade your vibe with Liquid IV Energy Multiplier. The one I have is uh, it's matcha and green energy that is basically like one to two cups of coffee without the crash. And it's uh, like a matcha ginger flavor that's high in antioxidants. It helps improve mood and focus. And, you know, we love science around here. Liquid IV cellular transport technology delivers an optimal ratio of nutrients for more efficient uptake. Enhanced rapid absorption into the bloodstream gives you lasting energy boost fast. I love this. I love their, uh, you know, standard hydration multiplier that, you know, turns one bottle into several because I am so bad about drinking water and I have to put alarms on my phone. And they're on a mission to change the world, which is important to me and the advertisers I choose. They are donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19 uh, to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans and active military to keep them hydrated. And I love them for it. So just a reminder, Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code BETHEREIN5 at checkout. That is 25% off anything you order. That's crazy. It's a really good deal uh, when you use promo code BETHEREIN5 at liquidiv.com and start fueling your adventures today. Once again, liquidiv.com, promo code BETHEREIN5, just how the show is spelled. I saw the light and not through those tiny goggles. <laughs> I always forgot those tiny goggles or like the things that looked like lids of a contact lens case. And then I'd have to pay for them. They get you they get you with everything from the lotions to the stickers to the eye covering. But I just think back on being 15 and like, I don't even know how I 
ended up figuring out how to get myself a subscription. But I remember it was a great deal. It was $18 a month. I went all the time. It was so bad. And um, I literally convinced myself that this was the safer option so I wouldn't burn. <laughs> like, what? I'm I'm Irish. Like, I, I, I am translucent. I am not meant for the sun. It doesn't matter if I have a base. It doesn't matter what lotion I use. I, I've, I, throughout my life, I have just had to realize I can't go outside. I need an umbrella or I will burn. I have to succumb to the burn. I am Philip Sue. You forfeit the rights to my heart. I forfeited the place in the tanning bed and I just let myself burn because it's just what's going to happen. And I, it infuriates me that they manipulated me to tell me that, that this was a safer thing to do, that I needed vitamin D supplements so bad that this tanning bed was very, actually quite healthy for me. I look back on my prom photos and I am so tan and I'm wearing a bright orange dress. And orange is never a color I would choose for a formal wear. Are you kidding me? But in both my senior pictures and prom, for some reason, I made the choice to wear tangerine. And it's upsetting. And I only bring that up because I was you know, home last week and I went through my stuff. And I was reminded that at junior prom, I wore this tangerine number from Dillard's. It was... Mm, Probably on the clearance rack because, again, who buys an orange prom dress? But when you're all about that base tan, it worked. I was like, great, there's only one of these. No one's going to see this coming. I am going to be fierce as hell with this light metal boning, the volume of, of, of crystals, of embellishments that gather at the stomach ruching, but starburst out as the ruching softens on the other side. This, you know, taffeta A-line that grazes the floor so I cannot wear heels, but hopefully it will just cover my feet entirely so nobody can see I'm probably wearing flip-flops because I'm self-conscious about being taller than my date. I got a choker that had tangerine elements in it. I honestly felt like a smoke show. <laughs> Think about what you guys know about me. What is one of my, for lack of a better word, chips on my shoulder? I've been very, very tall. Well, so I'm not that tall as an adult. I'm like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, depending on the day. My volleyball stats say I'm 5'9", but I'm pretty sure that's exaggerated. I grew just really fast and clothes didn't fit me well, you know, in sixth, seventh grade in prime awkward years. And my cotillion dress that was supposed to be floor length was like prairie length, to use Kirsten Larson terms. It just wasn't right. It wasn't even T length. It, it, it just didn't fit. And... um I don't know. So I know I joke, I, I joke about this and this is not necessarily a weight thing. It's more so like a body frame thing. I always called like tiny girls pocket girls because they could just like crawl into pictures and be like cute and tiny and you can put them in your pocket. And I've just always felt so tall and I have such bad posture because I've always like slouched and whatever. I think tall people when you're young get it. It's not about wanting to, it's just, I think you're fascinated by what it's like to just kind of be like cute and tiny. And, um, this, I, I, I arrive at the country club where we had our pictures where people put vodka in their Diet Cokes. I don't think I did that because I did want to work at this establishment. And ladies, I made my dream come true. And I was the Bev Car girl there several years later. Um, <laughs> never, ever give up. I uh, showed up to the country club and this other girl steps out of her Honda Civic wearing my tangerine gown. She is 5'1". I think she was a gymnast. She was tiny and she was cute as a button, snug as a bug in a rug in my prom dress. And I felt shocked. I felt hurt. I, she looked superior to me. It was hard to tell in the photo because I only have one photo of her that I posted on Instagram 
but she just looked she she looked great. She was she was a brunette who was who was naturally tan, not you know human rotisserie chicken fake, fake tanned, and I just so it was like such a big deal, and I literally completely forgot about it until I saw a picture of that this week, and I thought, wow, that was a brave choice to go with orange, and I never thought somebody would show up wearing it. But the worst part of it all was she didn't even go here. She didn't go to her school. She was somebody's random girlfriend that they met through like youth group or whatever. And uh, I'm sure she's lovely, but it's now caring about that is truly the dumbest thing ever. Like, I can't even believe anybody would care about it. It's like, just own it. You look great. There's a different woman in the dress. It's a different dress. Right. But then it just I was I was so mad. Have we talked about prom before on this podcast? I really can't remember. Honestly, what suburban restaurant in their right mind accepts a reservation for 32? That's insane. Why on earth did we go to Hibachi to sit in a U where we couldn't talk to our friends? We had to talk to our date, which was not the point. The date was for show. The point was to hang out with your friends. The point was to get the fierce pictures. The, the point was not to catch a flying shrimp in my mouth and risk a grease stain on my fierce orange Jessica McClintock. Just kidding, I couldn't afford that. Wow, that's a TikTok I would love to be on. Jessica McClintock TikTok. <laughs> Where it's just old photos of two-piece dresses, one a, a tube top with boning with a needlessly full skirt for a high schooler, uh, perhaps some halter dresses with, well, not a classic halter, rather fabric that comes all the way up your decolletage and in a point and then has two pieces of string at that point that then go around your neck almost creating an x-like feature that was chic as hell back in the day as was a large decal of some kind similar to that of a sky top right below the chest area if you're lucky there was just a ginormous waistband that was black lace against a color not super favorable to an aggressive black lace large waistband like white or red, and then with an additional bow on top of it. Typically, bedazzling was accepted, but it did need to lightly graduate and taper off as you went down, as you went toward or away from the ruching, or be focused more on the neckline. Head-to-toe beating did feel a bit aggressive for prom sometimes, but people still did it. People still went for volume. People went for gloves. My God, you know how many girls showed up with a, a light, delicate, sheer shawl around their not shoulders not upper arms, God no, too much surface area. It was the tiniest piece of fabric that merely kept your elbows warm. <laughs> Looking back, it was just bridesmaid training. I mean, none of them are, like, I, I just feel like the times in your life when you want to look outstanding, when you are in the shower and you're like, shine bright, shine far, don't be shy, be a star. Like, this is my moment. I'm going to look stunning. People will stop in their tracks. It will be the she's all that gym scene. Remind me later to talk about Addison Wright and he's all that. I'm very confused by this. But you imagine yourself showing up to a school dance in a true sixpence, none the richer, kiss me moment where you took off your glasses and took out your ponytail. And like Molly emerging to a Samantha, you all of a sudden are the belle of the ball. It just doesn't happen because you don't look like yourself wearing a bedazzled, you know, taffeta. Well, and I particularly liked when the taffeta, like the outer shell of the the gown was a little shorter than the tool, so the tool spiked out. Stunning. Um, you don't walk around wearing that stuff normally. You don't get updos normally. So when you go get a, a spiky updo, a, a French twist, your 14-year-old with a proper chignon, 
and, you know, take, you know, try your hand at makeup for like the second time in your life and expect to look like the best version of yourself. You're just not going to. So I always was like very disappointed with the way I looked at every single dance. And looking back, it makes me laugh. One year I just opted for for one of those spiky, you know, those headbands that had teeth that were like zigzags. I don't really know what they were designed for, but they were, you know, you put your hair straight back and they kind of gave you some volume behind it. It really made no sense in retrospect, but for some reason, I thought that was f- formal wear. And yeah, I mean, I, f- I feel the same way every time I'm a bridesmaid. It's like, theoretically, I'm wearing a gown. Theoretically, my hair is done. Theoretically, my makeup is done. Why do I look like six pence, none the poorer? I hate everything about this. <laughs> and I think it's just because some people, okay, well, my, my adult theory is that so when you're in high school, I think it's just too mature and formal looking and you, it just looks out of place with a, a very young face and, you know, developing figure, if you will. Um, but as an adult, I'm a person who actually does my makeup quite often. I do my hair often. I'm, at, I'm forever on a quest to look like the best version of myself, to, uh, you know, go down the street to a local watering hole. I've, I've, I'll contour for a carnival. Like, I don't care. I like to look nice. So when I have formal occasions where I need to look particularly nice, I don't I can't make myself look that different because I'll put on a lash on a Wednesday. I am not full Kylie Jenner glam, but I like I just do my makeup. And it's it's kind of a disappointing thing where whenever I want to like look like this ultra glam version of myself, I, I kind of look the exact same. <laughs> and it's a little frustrating. All that to say, I love when people don't wear makeup that much or don't do their hair that much because they can just pull it off. Good for them. And then they, you know, really dress it up. And you're like, wow, you look unbelievable. That's that emotion you want to evoke that, I don't know, for some reason, it's very hard for me to do that for people. And, you know, that's just something I'm not going to solve right here today on this podcast. But anyway, why was I talking about that? This is a weird snorkel. Uh, uh, something about tanning beds if you can't tone a tan it. Getting a base tan. I also would like in the, the phrase, you know, going to the hairdresser and like kind of wanting to get a really adventurous haircut. But you're just like, I, you know, ask for face framing layers <laughs> and you show up at school with a slight angle uh, from, you know, your front hair to your middle hairs. And you are like, I have a full Rachel. Why is nobody saying anything? I look completely different. And literally, you look no different. You got a small trim. But those 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 risks feel far too dire to really invest in. So. You end up really not doing too much, but it makes me laugh because of the amount of times I asked for face framing layers when really I wanted to show up to school the next day looking impossibly gorgeous because I went for a whole new hairstyle and came out of the salon with the exact same hairstyle. It makes me laugh. And I, oh, wait, we have talked about prom before. Oh, shoot, I hope I didn't go do dresses because I, I uh, read off people like crowdsource prom themes because they make me laugh. It's always a night to remember a night in Paris, we went through the fascination I have with doubling down on movie themes or popular songs at that time. Like your entire prom theme is Jason Mraz, I am yours. Really? Mraz? Of all people, Jason Mraz is one of those funny artists that I, I cannot place. I just don't know any diehard fans. I don't know anybody who's a big Mraz head who is like going to concerts, you know? I like his song Plane. It's one of my, it's one of my, was one of my favorite songs in college, I will say. Um, but if I have to hear, if I ever hear Remedy, I, I will leave. I will throw a fit. That song drives me insane. 
but another or they were really specific songs or movie themes like a walk to remember which i don't know if the pta got the memo that it is uh you know a bit of a downer i don't it's so many people had titanic themes i'm like people died it's just whatever prom prom themes crack me up and it cracks me up even more that people think they're so original and a group of seniors sit around a table and are like get this casino everybody's like oh my god we're the class of 07 007 like are are we geniuses should we work for ogilvy like is this Mad Men? we are on fire with this brainstorming session meanwhile everyone's doing the exact same thing and it's really i feel like we all had the exact same like slogans and, and class names and uh graduation and prom themes and stuff but it makes me laugh to crowdsource them because i remember being a part of these action teams thinking it was incredibly original to have a you know, Monte Monte Carlo themed homecoming. Anyway, it was a really funny looking back at a lot of my uh, photos and stuff my mom had saved. In addition to the American Girl catalogs, one of the biggest discoveries, perhaps, that I, I'm going to need your help with. This is so con- this confuses me. This troubles me to my core. Uh, all of these years, when reflecting on the various hats I've worn throughout my life. I've, I've taken it out on, on, you know, Von Dutch trucker hats. I've raged against visors, completely neglecting the most offensive chapeau of them all, which is the tall column, the unreasonably tall column hat made of felt that somehow maintains structure, made famous by a man called the Cat in the Hat. It is a tall red and white striped hat that I was obsessed with and wore, I don't know where. Where do you wear a cat in the hat hat if not for a Halloween costume? And I'd seen myself in Halloween costumes of the cat in the hat and thought, that's specific. But which came first, the hat or the cat? And I didn't even think about the hat in isolation. And then when I saw this photo of my room, I saw another hat like on full display that was like checkered yellow blue and red tall structured unreasonably high maintained its form felt hat that wasn't the cat in the hat striped and i lost my excuse for having one and why did i like these so much i swear to god i'm like concerned i think i have one with smiley faces on it where did i wear these what were they for did i hide things under them did i think they were cute was it a joke? They having so much trouble garnering male attention with my already awkward state that I just thought, let's, you know, take this to pasture. I'm just not going to try it all. I'm going to actively try to repel people away from me by wearing this unreasonably tall hat on a very already unreasonably tall gal. I, I, if anybody has any information regarding this case, please contact me at podcast at be there in five.com. I don't understand the point. Let me look it up. Why do people wear tall hats in the night? Okay, there's a wait, there's a BuzzFeed article. Mm. Okay, so okay, interesting. Somebody in Clueless wore one. Right. Well, Ambular wore all sorts of weird hats, and Dion had her fair share of, uh, of uh, structured hats. But there's just this guy in the background wearing a cat in the hat hat. Is that how it got popular? That's so odd. But yeah, do it kind of like made me tailspin to this other like um sector of 90s stuff that I haven't really thought about in a while that very specifically had everything had a smiley face on it like why everything had aliens on it for for the love of god all that is holy can somebody tell me the allure of toe socks and why it's several pairs 
that were striped up to the knee, most often rainbow. If I remember correctly, I think the allure of toe socks was not for optimal separation of phalanges. No, it was so you could wear flip-flops with socks. I'm praying that they were predominantly used for spirit week, but I also am not a person that dressed for spirit week. I don't like costumes. I always did the bare minimum. And thus I'm gravely, gravely concerned that there was something um, functional or fashionable that I found in a toe sock and a tall hat and an alien tee and a smiley face, peace and love, crossbody bag from Kohl's that I thought the apex of fashion. And I'm just confused now looking back on it. So many multicolored stripes, so many flowers, uh, so many keychains, a lot of like... Honestly, in my head, I'm wondering if I um, mistook the Oriental Trading Party Supplies catalog as the premier spot for young teen clothing because of how I dressed. And I need to I need to regress through this a little more closely. But yeah, now I'm just thinking. (laughs) Why did I think that if I wore something with a giant yin yang on it, like I was a regular Taylor Vaughn? It's disturbing on so many levels. Taylor Vaughn was the villain from She's All That. It has a lot of potential for a portmanteau. I don't know if that's the right word, but, you know, I love Halloween costumes that are, if you get it, it's really funny. If you don't get it, you still look like you're a normal thing. So you could dress as like a doctor with a cozy fall bloggery vibe and be like Pumpkin Patch Adams. But if nobody got it you didn't have to or they didn't seem like they were kind of getting your vibe you could just be like oh, i'm a doctor and it's like okay it's uncreative but whatever it's less embarrassing than trying to make pumpkin patch adams land so i like to look normal but have a, a wordplay twist i do feel like there's something with taylor vaughn that i'm not quite placing um like taylor vaughn trap you know what i mean you're half the mega hottie doing the Ch- funk soul brother dance on the she's all that prom dance floor you're half lisa von trap <laughs> the worst idea i've ever had Sound of Music Humor is a TikTok I'd love. As I've always said, I, I, I desperately want to be a Liesel. Uh, if I'm honest, I'm more of a Brigitte. It's been a tough pill to swallow throughout life, but here we are. Um, where was I? I'm interested. I'm kind of interested to uh, maybe crowdsource your like childhood birthday party themes. I feel like there's something funny there with, you know, feverishly thumbing through an Oriental trading catalog, trying to see if you're feeling more Tiki or Mickey or peace signy or perhaps, you know, want to go for a coca-cola vintage feel or really just you know go straight to poodle skirt uh, bellhop you know 60s diner that was a weird why did we all have poodle skirts what what was that (laughs) my mom showed me a picture of me in a poodle skirt this weekend i was not young enough to wear wear a poodle skirt but not old enough to maybe understand its historical placement slash is that just not like a stereotypical trope of that time that, I mean, like, I'm pretty sure most people in like the 50s didn't work at diners. But now I'm going to obsess over why 1950s, I think I said 60s by accident earlier, 1950s Americana is so highly associated with a poodle skirt. Ugh, I was going to try to move on, but sorry, guys. Hang on one second. What, what, like, what were those? I feel like there's a name for that type of dress style. It's almost like the grease vibes. How the pink ladies dress it dressed. Isn't it called like a bopper, tea bop, sock and bopper, sock hop, sock hopper? Ugh, that's gonna drive me crazy. Um, fun fact the poodle skirt was started in 1947 by a young lady. I, what was her name? 
named Julie Lynn Charlotte. And she had this fun idea to make a felt adornment on what she felt was a frumpy A-line skirt, which was a popular silhouette at the time. So she cut out a large circle from a piece of wool felt and cut another small circle and no side seams. And the simplicity of the design was appealing. She started to stitch on appliques, also in wool felt, which did not need to be hemmed. Sorry, I'm a little lost. She had the idea to produce these skirts for retail sale, with each design containing a fun story for the customer. First design were Christmas-themed, and the skirts were dog-themed, giving rise to the name Poodle Skirt. Chic women in the 1950s were often seen walking poodles on leashes. Interesting. So maybe it's like what a graphic tee is today? Interesting. So teenage girls with little sewing experience could whip these skirts up quickly and have a -a one-of-a-kind design. It became a DIY project. Wow. Sorry, I forget that. I forgot. Sometimes I forget you're here. Wow, this is fascinating. You know what's also fascinating when I think about it? Um, Like the culture of watching Grease at a childhood sleepover and then graduating to Dirty Dancing. And then having experienced, you know, both of these cultural and sexual awakenings in groups in a sleepover context than going to sleepaway church camp and being told to repent for your sins. You know, it's all very confusing. I could write a thesis about how confusing this period of my life was due to mixed messaging, how much I loved the media I I was starting to consume that was a little bit more mature, if not over my head, versus how shameful church camps and youth groups make anything sexual seem, A, and B, how they refer to, like, pop cultural things as, like, these earthly, shallow temptations you shouldn't succumb to. I feel, what would I call this? Like, Greece, Dirty Dancing, Jesus and Me. How my sexual and cultural awakenings within sleepover culture opposed the sexual and cultural shaming within sleepaway church camp culture, served as an early representation of the Madonna whore complex, where I thought my two options in life were to be a saint or a slut. Wow. My, <laughs> I can smell that PhD from here. <laughs> uh, but truly, think about watching Grease for the first time, and it's pretty interesting. Like, you're on a beach. There's two good-looking people. They seem to be into each other. You're like, yes, I want a boyfriend. All of a sudden, it snaps to a cartoon. We're like, what's happening? Uh, There's just a lot of casual mentions of sexual harassment. Outstanding Letterman sweaters. Rizzo is so sex positive in retrospect, but I was very scared of her as a child. Marty's boob exercises are iconic. You look over, every girl at the sleepover has arms over her head trying to, like, move each of her pec muscles. Uh, I don't, I still, to this day, don't know if it's socially acceptable to hand jive, but it was fun to watch and fun to reenact the sleepovers. I never knew how to, f- it's like, so much of it was over my head, I almost need to rewatch it now, and the most recent time I rewatched it was Grease Live, which I just don't think has the same effect, like, you're not going to create the magic of the or- original cast in that way, uh, but it's kind of like, what am I, like, what am I supposed to do with these, like, this pregnancy scare, these condom references? Should I go to beauty school? It kind of looks fun and chic. At this point in life, I'm not sure I understood why, what's his name? The guy who had a, got a condom in sixth or seventh grade and it broke knicky. I was like, wait, I'm in seventh grade. Why did it break? Is it something about seventh grade that makes a condom break? <laughs> As if I was <laughs> anywhere close to venturing into that. 
you know, I, I identify with Sandra D. Look at me, I'm Sandra D. Lousy with virginity of it all because, you know, while well, when I watched this, I was way too young to be in any sort of sexual relationship. My friend group was always teased. The friends I went to church camp and youth groups with, they called us the God Squad, the Pine Run Prudies. That was the name of our neighborhood. And we were like majorly made fun of for like not being promiscuous. And even though the, I don't think the other girls were, they just were like more openly discussing sex or wearing more low cut tops or like French kissing more. I don't even know what people did in seventh grade. But like for some reason we were labeled as prudes at an age where like, I, I don't know, I would hope that's the norm and not the exception. But yeah, people really make fun of you. And it, the messaging kind of being like, Sandra D, you know, she walks out of the room and experiences every sleepover enthusiast nightmare. People talking about her when she leaves. And she comes back in and they're mocking her. What are they mocking her for? Uh, keeping her virtue. And being boring as a result, as if her sexuality defines her. And she had a lot to offer. And I'm still confused why, you know, we had two powerful no-means-no scenes where Danny was coming on too strong. Sandy, Sandy stuck to her guns. Uh, yet the conclusion of the movie, which I strangely found resolve with, the, the message isn't like she transcended the, the bullying, the coercion, <laughs> the, the, the slut shaming. Oh, God, no. She just turned into one of them. And that's how everything became OK again. You know, none of the behavior was corrected. In fact, it was actively leaned into and celebrated. Uh, as if the people on the catcalling bullying side were on the right side of history the whole time. And then God, Sandra D finally went through this transformation, changing everything about herself. Here's the problem. Mm, disturbing moment in terms of one's character. Outstanding moment in female fashion. I don't know what I value more, and I don't know what I needed from that movie, but what I do know is that the lesson is, if you want to feel like your best self, you like have to baby powder your entire body in order to get on the tightest spandex you can find, all black, off the shoulder, get a perm, find the non-dominant side of your hair part, put it up in a clip, start smoking, start drinking, wear leather, act as aloof as possible and change everything about yourself, and then you will get the guy. Then you will find freedom. Then you will find acceptance. Then you will you know, inexplicably fly off into the sky in a convertible motor vehicle that is otherwise grounded but for some reason at the end of this movie we start with an unrealistic cartoon and we end with if i didn't know better would be sandy and danny dying but in retrospect they, maybe that's the case because they knew greece 2 was coming and they're like we had nothing to do with this rips like we're out <sighs> greece 2 is a controversial film i think some people appreciate it more than others it wasn't my number one we'll get into that some other time but I feel like Grease was like the more mild choice because it's a classic musical. But then when some girls' moms would let us watch Dirty Dancing, it got to that point where, you know, there's like a girl in the corner being like, does anyone have that weird feeling that like you have to pee? And everyone's like, yeah, speaking of Grease, I got chills. They're multiplying. What is this feeling? We have like <laughs> watching people like grind in that way before we were like next too close, you know, freak dancing in a middle school gymnasium. And if we want to get back to my early days of, you know, dreaming of being a pocket girl of being lightweight i was so much taller than the boys at this age they weren't raising me up with their words nor would they raise me up over their head in a full dance lift you know like cartoon physics how like characters get steamrolled into a flattened pancake position that's how i pictured myself trying to jump into the arms of these like seventh grade boys i would simply level them at the carnage i i can't even imagine <laughs> 
I, uh, anyways, Dirty Dancing, I mean, I can't even, I can't even get into it. It's iconic. It's perfect. Great fashion moment. Now I can't, you know, think about her carrying a watermelon without thinking of the girl with the watermelon machete. There's a lot of layers there. I think about the, I was like obsessive over watching like the tiny waist of the blonde haired girl who teaches baby and Patrick Swayze to dance and is like holding baby's hips from the back. I found that scene confusing. Uh, that was a horrifying depiction of pregnancy. My God, I did not understand what was happening at the time. Um, uh, you know, I think people can relate to the strict parents. People can relate to the uh, like kind of surprise and, and bashful response to something that's so mature, but the you know endless intrigue that lies within it, and ultimately wanting to evolve into a person that feels comfortable in an environment you once felt so foreign to. Yet in a mat matter of weeks, at an upper middle class inland landlocked lake resort in Virginia. My, a lot of it was filmed at uh, Mountain Lake in Virginia. Gorgeous place. But, you know, not exactly the Maldives. Over the course of a few weeks immersed in this lake culture, you become fluent in a language you once found foul. I think it's beautiful and I think it's important. And I think it represents a sexual awakening many girls were having at these sleepovers. I'm simply watching the film. The May I Remind You was choreographed by Kenny Ortega of High School Musical fame. <laughs> of We're All in This Together fame. Of Get Your Head in the Game. Of uh, No, No, No. Stick to the stuff you know. If you want to be cool, stick to one simple rule. Don't mess with the flow. No, no. Stick to the status quo. <laughs> Honestly, I, how bad does that guy want us to conform? My God. <sighs> I love High School Musical too. Anyways, getting off track. I don't even have a track. Can you even be on the track if you haven't even shown up to the race? I just gab on my way there and never get, never even get to the main event. What was I talking about? I mean, long story short. Yeah. I didn't know what to do with those um, two sleepover movie depictions of male-female relationships. I would always, you know, go hard for their selection when the, you know, sleepover crew as a group went to Blockbuster, which was inevitably a stressful experience because you would ultimately land on a... a gorgeous plastic laminated vhs cover only to find that the movies behind it were indeed gone and they did not have it available which just take the title off the shelf if 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 mary kate nashley's my first video all five copies are gone don't get me excited about you know hearing brother for sale and the you know perennially creepy depiction of bill clinton jumping on the bed and dancing with mary kate nashley at six foot four four five six years old to no one tells the president what to do uh, don't get me started on how they sing an ode to their mom at the end. Uh, and she seems utterly unaffected. <laughs> but it puts, puts me in tears. Side note, yesterday I did look up if like prices at Atlantis were cheap right now. And like I could go on a vacation later when things are chill. Because it's just one of those fixations I have because of Holiday in the Sun. It was like such a dream location to me as a kid. And I know that like, it would probably not be that interesting as an adult. Cause I think it's like a family resort. And I don't know if like me and my sister uh, would really have that good of a time, but for some reason I'm obsessed with checking out Atlantis uh, just to calibrate the movie. You know, I too want to uh, run around in a one girl revolution laden sequence, looking for stolen antiquities and be the hero in my own story. But Mary Kay and the movies were simpler times. I just never knew what to do with these cinematic depictions of uh, masculinity <laughs> a la Greece in the form of drag racing, hair combing, and gaslighting. Like, what am I supposed to do with that being an ideal masculine man in middle school? How, how am I to feel about these, these T-birds in a sea of bugle boys? It was an impossible thing to reconcile. And this brings me to actually what I crowdsourced this week that I wanted to go through that 
is what I thought was quite funny, which is uh, asking you guys on Instagram what the name of your high school, middle school, whatever, girl crew or college, an adolescent friend group whose bond was so unbreakable, who you spent all your time with, who so seamlessly integrated well with one another that it didn't, your friendship wasn't enough. No, we needed a commodity. We needed to commercialize. We needed a brand. We needed the school to know who we were and what we were all about by making sure everybody called us the pixie sticks, for example. It's like, I just think it's wild. And people's, I don't think I've ever gotten more responses on a question. I mean, like thousands. I don't even, I didn't even get through them all. I was kind of thinking this would be a tepid response. Like who, I didn't know if it was maybe specific to, I don't know, my suburban, you know, Uh, public school upbringing or if this was a real thing but then I kind of thought back to you know even before we had awareness about bullying and talked about that more even before Kelly Ben Simone made us thank god aware of systematic bullying uh we had the notion of like uh clicks the discouraging of clicks everything was about clicks and it's funny to think about that now because I feel like toward the end of my education People were really being like, clicks are dangerous. They're exclusive. And it's like, no shit, Sherlock. We didn't call ourselves the the, the sexy seven. The only to ultimately have eight people. I forget what I learned about it in Western Civ. The, the true Iron Curtain existed uh, among the barriers of branded middle and high school friend groups, especially those rooted in the number of members that you had to just sit idly by for some turnover till a member got kicked out for even hopes of being welcomed back in, but typically they just rebranded to the new number, and I have proof of this in my findings as well. I'll get to this shortly. Uh, real fast, just because I mentioned it earlier, I do need you to know that um, the movie She's All That, we from 1999, we all loved, with Rachel E. Cook, Freddie Prince Jr., as I mentioned with Taylor Vaughn earlier. There apparently has been a gender-swapped reboot in the works for years. And uh, the guy who made like Freaky Friday and, and Mean Girls is directing it. And well, so she, she's all that is like um, kind of like how uh, 10 Things I Hate About You is loosely based off of The Taming of the Shrew. She's all that is loosely based off Pygmalion, uh, allegedly also My Fair Lady. And um, you might, might recall that there's a Freddie Prince Jr., like the high school popular jock. I'm sorry, I'm thinking as I explain this because I'm like, I'm going to get my teen movies mixed up. So Freddie Prince Jr. was a jock and hot and popular, obviously. And he gets dumped by his girlfriend. And doesn't he make a bet or something with his friends that he can turn this artsy girl into prom queen? And, you know, it's, it's, it's like the classic rom-com storyline I love where somebody makes a bet, but then genuinely falls in love. Then the other person finds out at the end it was a bet. And, you know, you're like, oh, my God, but he truly loves you. But he didn't mean it. He made that bet out of context. Andy Anderson, take him back. Benjamin Bailey is so... Wait, I just said Benjamin Bailey. That's the guy who... <laughs> it was cash cab. <laughs> what a heartthrob. Uh, no, I just thought I loved... I was obsessed with Benjamin Barry's. Ben, Ben, yeah, Benjamin Barry's like mannerisms, voice, vibe, the way he like ate crabs, the way he made this little rack of lamb, the way he uh, called them the knickerbockers would like flick his tickets. I, 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 the way he screamed out the window, ladies, frost yourselves. I, I, he was so arrogant, yet so charming. And oh, the way, oh God, 
that feels like home scene in Staten Island in the shower. It's like, who doesn't want their love story to culminate in the upstairs full bath of your parents' home you once used as a child? The romance. <laughs> anyway, why was I? T- oh, sorry. Yeah, so there's a bet. Um, and I always draw a parallel between Molly McIntyre and Samantha Parkington, uh, as well as Rachel E. Cook as a nerd versus Rachel E. Cook as a popular girl. Because the only difference is that you take out the hairstyle and remove the glasses. Same face. Same person. Molly and Smith have the same face. <laughs> but you take out the braids and take off the glasses, all of a sudden you've got yourself a Victorian gal trying to find her orphan friend Nellie a better life. Anyways, not another teen movie. That's like one of the big tropes is they're like, talk about glasses and a ponytail being such a defining characteristic of what makes somebody undesirable. And it really is ridiculous. And I'm embarrassed to be quoting that another teen movie as some sort of think piece, but you get it. Anyway, it's being rebooted. It's a gender role reversal and none other than Addison Ray Easterling is starring in it. A young lady I introduced on the podcast in January. I do believe I told you she would be a star and less than one year of her getting on TikTok. She is cast in a major, major film reboot, an iconic one at that, with zero acting experience because she started dancing from her bedroom and then went to LSU and then dropped out because she was so pretty and cute and fun to look at that the Hype House reached out to her. She moved to L.A. She moved her whole family out to L.A. Her whole family gets signed. She becomes best friends with Kourtney Kardashian. They, you know, eat avocado smoothies every day. She tick-tonks with Mason. They work out with Gunner. They go for a swim. They go to Nobu Malibu. She, you know... Post Instagram stories of the yellowtail, I get upset. She slowly but surely morphs into more of a Kardashian look that makes me long for the days of her, you know, charming, outdated ceiling fan when, when that was her co-star in her TikTok videos. I still find her charming. She's so, she's stupidly beautiful and I am rooting for her, but it is wildly fascinating and impressive that somebody would get a role like this after less than a year in the public eye, no less with no intention nor experience in acting. And not to pat myself on the back, but I told you these people mattered. (laughs) Maybe not in a traditional sense, but they are permeating culture in ways we are only scratching the surface currently. But anyway, anyway, as I was saying earlier about clicks, uh, you know, long before Taylor Swift's squad, you know, young women all over America were active practitioners in almost in ritualistic fashion. Practicing exclusivity in the form of branded crews, cliques, whatever you want to call them. I look back on my times bobbing and weaving in and out of girl crews. Uh, the ancillary members kind of popping in and out. I kind of thought it's like you kind of have your different groups depending on like your core you know, who you grew up with, the people you meet through activities or classes. Some people go off with their youth groups. I had my volleyball team. You know, I've definitely experienced this in different formats. And I will, I mean, I just will never, I it will never get over the intensity of FOMO in my youth. And I think often about how intensely, I, it's like if you missed something of your core girl crew in, you know, especially like, middle school sometimes high school the inside jokes would multiply the the amount of left out you would feel transcended far beyond just the event itself Uh, inside jokes are the language of the exclusive 
And, you know, my mom would always be like, it's what's on the inside that counts. And I'm like, exactly, mom. Exactly. Speaking of friend groups and their, you know, rituals, I'm excited this week to be sponsored by Ritual. It's a company created by skeptics for skeptics. And if you haven't read about the CEO, Kat Schneider, she is awesome and you should. When I tried it for myself, I was like, oh, this is awesome. I honestly, I love this product. It, I, I'm not going, I'm going off script here, but the, uh, it has this minty um, kind of insert in its bottles that make your breath like fresh and minty after you take the pill. And the pills are clear so you can see what's in them. And the bottle's clear. And it's this one-stop shop multivitamin that I really love. And, and the ingredients are easy to digest because it's time-released. And you can even take it on an empty stomach, which is so important for me. And if you haven't read up about the Ritual CEO, you should. She's really inspiring, has started such a cool company. And the CEO created it when she was pregnant and realized most supplements had too many like fillers and mysterious products in there. So not only are they transparent about their ingredients, but the you know capsules themselves are literally transparent. And it's, I don't know, it's a beautiful product and an effective one. And I love being able to take it on an empty stomach and be minty fresh afterward. What I love about them too is they obsessively research. They clearly invest in R&D, uh, which is important, especially in the multivitamin space. And they've obsessively researched and clinically backed a new normal. They've done cl clinical studies of essential for women uh, their product that showed an increase in vitamin D levels and omega-3 DHA levels. And I did not know that 40% of women cannot properly utilize the synthetic form of folate, folic acid, which can be found in many multivitamins. And that's why Ritual uses folate in its absorbable form to help cover women's needs. And did I mention this earlier? The CEO started it when she was pregnant, when she noticed how many like synthetic fillers and needless ingredients were in multivitamins and made it transparent as a result in more ways than one. So as you know, daily, daily changes can lead to big results, micro changes, macro results. So start small today. Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Satisfaction guaranteed. To try it out, go to ritual.com slash be there in five to start your ritual today. It is 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com slash be there in five, just how the show is spelled. I don't know. It's, it's a different world where you can see what everyone's doing all the time and it's one thing to, you know, name your girl crew. And it's a whole other thing to film the fun things you're doing. And for the people that weren't invited to those fun things to have to see them. I can just smell and taste the horror of FOMO and missing out on the inside jokes. And it's not a great feeling. It's really not. It's just, it's very classic uh, mid-aughts mean girl. Like literally mean girls came out. But also, I don't know, in like the 90s and 2000s, the teen movies, the TV shows, the stereotypes were celebrated tropes were a plenty your currency was how hot you were you know your language was the inside jokes with your you know branded crew you know the the cheerleader and the jock thing was still very much alive and well as were the nerds and the theater kids and all of those things and it almost fostered an environment where you were encouraged to be exclusive like inclusivity wasn't cool as dumb as that sounds this gen z is like so accepting and empathetic but i feel like I lived in a time where we were groomed to be like thin, mean, and exclusive. <laughs> Does anybody else feel that way? Anyway, so I divided these into categories. Um, some don't really fit in a category. I'll just go through in general. Um, but, you know, there are definitely uh, group crew names that fall into a more wholesome category, into a more pop culture category, into an uh, impressive use of the wordplay of, of the initials of the people in the group 
There's um, the category of glorified alcoholism. There's a the category of demeaning language. There's also the category of alarming privilege. And I can't wait to go through these all with you. So just some in general to start out, some of the ones you guys submitted. Ladies of the evening. We did not know what that meant at the time. There's some that are a little too on the nose, like the soccer girls, the soccer gals, the soccer friends. I mean, no points for creativity, but God bless. Um, two Tito's sluts, which somehow escaped me for putting it in the alcoholism group, but, you know, good for you. Uh, I, I might argue you don't need a group name for two people. I would normally qualify this as three or more. But then somebody did write in and say their mom called her Stephanie and her best friend Annie, Steph Annie. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. What a perfect pairing of a friend name. That would be like if I was friends with someone named T and it was like KT, you know, what, what a dream. Uh, there's so many people that were the blondirage. Like, I'm scared of you. You have popular girl handwriting. You terrify me. Um, uh, be lunch bitches because we had the be lunch we had t-shirts <laughs> i love ones like that that <laughs> like why do you why do you have to have shirts because you have the same lunch period this is one of <laughs> so specific mia b5 mission impossible against boys and i guess there are five of you what what were you doing <laughs> were you scaling cliffs doing like light parkour to uh wrong the boys who <laughs> treated you poorly honestly i'm interested to know more uh, this person said, cousin was Menudo when I was so jealous. And my question is, was your cousin in Menudo? Because that is the name of a band that did get taken down for lip syncing. And if you were jealous of his actual group name, you might have misunderstood the, the, the homework and been like, oh yeah, my cousin was in a boy group, a boy band named Menudo. <laughs> uh, bitches, three Zs, absolutely. Ladies in red, because we got our periods at the same time. I mean, some might say you were in sync. Oh, I hate myself. Uh, Deets Crew with a K. D-E-E-T-S-K-R-E-W. Always gossiping with the Deets. <laughs> I love that you took, took it upon yourself to assume you're some sort of news crew that uh, only had the best Deets. Let's see here. Uh, we had, there's a group of guys that called themselves the Beef Brothers, so we called ourselves the Salami Sisters. <laughs> a couple uh, nods to the Yaya Sisterhood, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, swapping out the dress for pants for dress shoes whatever it may be the tata sisterhood and we drank each other's spit which i don't know how that correlates and doesn't seem necessary but <laughs> hope you're bonded for life very my girl blood brothers of you uh there was two rival groups in my school the usuals and the unusuals wow that's stiff that is sharks versus jets material the 2 a.m biscuits very specific inside joke the ann club all people whose middle name was ann so i assume that was half your grade, only to be matched by the Marie Club, the other half of your grade, because we all have the same middle names. Uh, I had to laugh because someone submitted, someone called us the Minions because we're all super short. And then another person separately uh, submitted, in high school, there's a group of friends that called themselves the Minions because they were short. And it's like, wow, bully, meet victim. I don't know if you went to the same school, but it's pretty funny. Uh, let's see. Let's get into, uh, what are some other random ones that don't really fit in a category? uh the pink flamingos but then everyone else started naming their groups like us to make fun of us like the blue rhinos or the brown squirrels and my only challenge to you would be those might be names of um teams on legends of the hidden Tem temple and might not have been as like targeted toward you as you think but perhaps i don't know I i'm thinking of the i don't think brown squirrels was on there but i feel like the blue barracudas was and uh who the hell knows but this other person said uh little whiskey girls we took around a banner i t I, 
I mentioned this one on Instagram. Okay, Whiskey Girl, sure, is a song from Toby Keith. You guys know how I feel about uh, Toby Keith. Um, Toby Keith's I Love This Bar, his song's Little Red Solo Cup, The Angry American, Boot in Your Ass, Patriotism. I have been to a Toby Keith concert. I do like some of his songs, but generally speaking, he is the most, like, he just represents this super country, masculine, patriarchal, angry uh, vibe that I can't really put to words adequately. And he does, his song Whiskey Girl is particularly notable because just like Brad Paisley, who steals, you know, aim away messages to make songs like to the world, you may be one person, but to one person, you may be the world. Toby Keith would take sorority quotes from AIM Buddy Info as well and be like his, I think his album or the EP that Whiskey Girl was on was called uh, Nights I'll Never Remember with Friends I'll Never Forget. And uh, my question about this crew name, you're the only people that told me you took around a banner. And I just have so many questions. If it was homemade, if it was homemade and it was paper, did you have to make Several didn't have backups because inevitably, if you walk around holding a banner, people are going to tear through it like a marathon finish. Worse, did you go have it made at like a Kinko's to be vinyl and withstand the elements? But like, that's a little embarrassing too. And who paid for it? Because those aren't cheap. I know. Uh, Did you carry it in a pep rally sense or at a parades? Do you frequent parades? Or did you just opt to walk into college bars carrying a banner that said, we're the little whiskey girls? I want to know how many of you there were. I want to know how often you carried around this banner. I want to know what it said. I really could not have more questions. And if you are the person that submitted this, I'd love if you'd follow up with me. Uh, just about the context of the banner, because you made it seem like you carried it around regularly. Anyway, uh, let's go into some of the uh, in it, the, the wordplay with initials of friend crews. So... <laughs> I love that how people explain the evolution. So uh, this person said their initials were J-A-K-B, which looked like Jacob. So naturally that became the wolf pack. But unlike the other 12 wolf packs that submitted themselves because of the hangover, I would like to mention the Jacob turn Jacob turn wolf pack is Maddie Murphy of the Bad Broadcast <laughs> to call her out. Uh, pumpkins, because our initials spelled J-A-C-K-A-L, jackal, um, uh, you know. Okay, yeah, I mean, I guess jackal lanterns would have been too long. I guess just using jackal wouldn't have worked. Pumpkins, pumpkins is cute. Uh, James, but the A got kicked out, so gems. <laughs> it's always tough when somebody leaves and you have to readjust. Uh, this this crew's initials were K A J. They called themselves Kaj Mahal. Questionable, but clever. <laughs> uh. This group was called the Ibbies. I-B-B-Y-S. I'll be by your side, for sure. <laughs> it's really sweet. <laughs> uh, Sarah, Liz, Abby, and Molly were slam. Outstanding. Better than mouth. Uh, jugs. Th- these girls, well, that's not their initials. They That stands for Just Us Girls. I don't know if they knew the double meaning with jugs, but good for you. This group name, believe it or not, their initials spelled... L-E-A-N space B-A-C-K-K, lean back, (laughs) which is kind of amazing. Uh, And she said they played the song at parties. Now, just like my questions with a group of girls that carried on a banner from Little Whiskey Girls, did lean back um, play entry songs as they walked into parties as if they were, you know, a uh, 
wedding party, introducing themselves at the, as the, at the reception? Did you have that entry that was like, or did you go straight into the chorus of, um, you know, we just pull up our pants, do the rock away and lean back? Did you do the lean back dance in unison or did you kind of like alternate to give more of like a rockette type of vibe? Um, I'm so curious at how that went over. Um, would you just man the DJ booth? Would you take over the iPod? Uh, is it an entry thing? I don't know. I'm very interested in people who had a sense of, uh, you know, self-importance and, and domination to where they would play theme songs and or carry banners. I want to be a part of you. I, the only thing with lean back is I'd be the third K and we all know that's a problem. Um, uh, pigs, P-I-G-G-S were their initials. They had a gang symbol and swore in by blood. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the woo-woos wish you were us. <laughs> TFC, the freaking click. We had a newsletter. <laughs> that what? Was it a print newsletter you did on Microsoft Publisher? Oh, Lord. I mean, guys, I think uh, the appropriation, I mean, like, it's just wild. There's so many appropriate names that I just, I don't even feel comfortable to read. But on the less offensive end of the spectrum, that just is completely inaccurate about your lifestyle would be the LST, the Lil Street Thugs. This girl grew up in northern Wisconsin. <laughs> Uh, in this person's middle school, there were three groups. There were PABs, there were BABs, and there were BGs. And you only fell into one of them. PABs were preppy-ass bitches. BABs were bitches against preps. <laughs> and BGs were bad girls. On the Venn diagram of PABs, BABs, and BGs, I would argue there is substantial overlap uh, between bitches against preps and bad girls, and preppy-ass bitches and bad girls. How many times you pop your collar doesn't really indicate your, you know, lack of behavioral squalor, if you will. And I think it's important that, you know, we also acknowledge that bitches against preps are equally as offensive in uh, typecasting people based on what they wear. And the preppy-ass bitches are offensive in their own right with their pop collars and their loud lily prints and the like. It's, it's hard to say who's in the right there. I don't, I don't really fall into any of those groups unless we allow a Venn diagram situation. And, you know, I'm here for that. I think based on my desire to Venn diagram these groups alone, I probably would have not been allowed into any of those groups. This group was called the Subs, the Stuck Up Bitches. There were shirts, a Facebook page, and we voted new girls in. <laughs> At least you lived up to your name. Oh, my God. This person's group, if I wrote this down right, this doesn't even make Okay, this doesn't even make sense. It's L-O-V-E-R-D-M-B-J-C-K-K-A. So it's Lover Dimjika. It, it's not even, it doesn't, what? <laughs> it's like Lover and then DMB, Dave Matthews Band, I totally get. J-C-K-K-A, not a lot you can do there. Um, honestly, at that point, when you have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14... People in a group, I'm surprised it didn't great, you know, break off into competing factions and really like overturn itself. So in one of my favorite uh, categories, uh, what I'll call glorified alcoholism, are a bunch of middle schoolers or high schoolers that probably at one beer once or Mike's Hard, the official drink that no one drinks that your parents leave in their second fridge in the garage and forget about. So it doesn't matter if you drink them or not. You're lucky enough to have a fridge garage. God bless. Uh, 
DFBL, D- DBFL, Drunk Bitches for Life. That's who lives, who dies, who tells your story, ladies. HME, Hot Mass Express. Barry Cam from Southern Charm. Shambles in Training. <laughs> the word shambles is frustrating. It's, it's so 2005, along with I Sweat You, along with uh, She Shacked With Him. This is like very mid-early aughts lingo and where we almost took great pride in our drunken stupor and our inability to function as uh, actual adults <laughs> and uh, makes me laugh. Ho Nation. I'll spade a spade. Uh, we have a lot of uh, crunk crew, crunkies, crunk team, team crunk, uh, crunk jive and well. <laughs> I made that one up. A lot of uh, a lot of crunk, which I guess is. Well, I was thinking. I was gonna say, is that more like? I feel like the word crunk is a little bit uh, bef- late aughts, before the two thousand tens, a little bit more like soul, Soldier Boy era, if I'm not mistaken, uh, where a lot of songs talked about getting crunk in the club obviously and i sound like a ridiculous white person being like getting crunk in the club uh but you know what i mean uh we these rap songs that were top 40 had a lot of these words in it and it's funny you just don't hear i don't hear crunk that much anymore kind of like i don't hear uh like turned up as much like the turned down for what era of little john um in which one time i did dress as a basic witch for halloween before it was cliche and i made a shirt that said turned down for brunch that is also the restaurant name of um, Little Bo Peep's sheep and her Instagram profile in my book that makes fun of influencers through nursery rhyme characters. If found familiar, it's called Twinkle Twinkle Social Media Star. I try not to talk about it as much anymore, so I'm not always pitching. But it's a book that basically um, jokingly educates a child in a children's book format about how to become an influencer through telling uh, tales and fables of nursery rhyme characters as if you're scrolling through their social media feed, and I made up a fake social media universe called Once Upon a Timeline. Little Bo Peep lost her sheep, has a GoFundMe, you know, all this, all that stuff. Um, I was wrong, though. Uh, what happened is Little Bo Peep lost uh, her sheep. And then Mary Quite Contrary says on, you know, the post, you should really consider adopting your next sheep. And then Mary Quite Contrary, we flipped to her, and she, it turns out, she is at brunch, boomerang, cheersing with, uh, little Bo Peep's sheep and posting about it. And she's just like, what can I say? I love sheep thrills. Finders keepers. Hashtag losers Bo Peepers. Hashtag meet my new sheepers. Hashtag free at last. Hashtag baby don't herd me. Hashtag brunch BFFs for L. You know, all very important, uh, astute Pulitzer worthy work I've done. <laughs> what was I talking about? Uh, this is from a friend who may or may not be a Facebook mod um, who said, we called ourselves Rama, R A M A A, our initials, and then A A because we snuck beers one time. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Now to my uh, other favorite category. I mean, there's a lot of alcohol related ones, but they're pretty much similar. Nothing too too crazy. Uh, I really am a fan too of the the demeaning language uh kind of like ho nation i mentioned earlier that i forgot to correctly categorize so this person said the uh ninth grade rival groups were hbfs and fbfs half blown sluts and full blown sluts uh, what i would love to know the distinguishing factor and the churn 
uh, of how one transitions from one to the other. Would you say it's a lateral or a linear move to go HBFS, FF, FBFS? Not sure. Um, also, it's like so disturbing in the context of high schoolers. But I think that the tr- the part of the humor is like kind of like Rama uh, and having a beer one time and being like are such alcoholics. It's like I think a lot of the pervy humor was uh, due to like inexperience. And you talk about it more the less you do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're so silly. Uh, on whores, because we're in the honors program, ladies. <laughs> You know, it's what a what a beautiful thing to be smart and to be recognized and to be gifted and to be in the honors program. And what a representative of of the the world we live in as as young women to feel like we have to offset it with on horse. <laughs> There's kind of a to a juxtaposition, I'd say, in the demeaning language category, a subset that I call the incredibly um, wholesome like math hall sluts what i don't know about the mts is did they are are you sluts for math are you sluts for the math hall or are you hall sluts that like to do math i'd love some clarification you're like the storm and mormons (laughs) okay i'll get this (laughs) so so pure this group was called step Saving the Earth people, fifth graders who were environmentally conscious. <laughs> it's like the ELFS squad and Tim Allen's the Santa Claus. Uh, effective liberating flight squad. Tinsel, not just for decoration. <laughs> Speaking of inside jokes, um, let's see here. So these, this group, they were a bunch of hot virgi- virgins, so they went by the untouchables understandably uh the hgc the horny girls club uh the puss crew but uh like our great leader kesha the s's are dollar signs important distinction uh the thursday night garden hose <laughs> it's funny how in gardens there are hoses h-o-s-e and hose like a, a hoe like a yard like a lawn lawn work what what is it called when you do work in the lawn yard work um, but there's also slutty girls that hang out in gardens, I guess, in this context. <laughs> the four V's for being virgins. Ah, the five tops are shaking. Uh, BC09, because we went on birth control in 09. Oh my God, you guys. <laughs> Did you have a pact? Oh my God. <laughs> Did you, like, what happens if your parents, like, See so you walk out of the house in a puss crew shirt and you're like 15. I mean, this next one, like, uh, puck sluts, popular girls who loved hockey players. I mean, straightforward, but still. <laughs> the 304 is because it's spelled ho upside down on the calculator. <laughs> the uh, juxtaposition of having such a bold meaning behind your name that suggests you're bad bitches and hoes, paired with the you know, harsh reality that in order to prove the origin of your name, you do have to be carrying around a calculator at all times. <laughs> it's fascinating. Um, this person said our group was called the Dumb Sluts, and we were neither. <laughs> and, you know, that's great. As a member of a group that was called the God Squad and the Prudies, I can tell you firsthand that nobody wants to hang out with the opposite. Dumb Sluts it is. The smart prudes were off doing sign language somewhere at Bible study. And while I do appreciate my 
you know, minimal ASL understanding from my time in youth groups, it might have been more fun to get invited to more parties. Um, let's see. The cool girls in the grade above me at Catholic school were the seven deadly sins. <laughs> Speaking of, I mean, the numbers, like, the, I mean, this was probably 500 of the responses, all very similar. Makes me laugh that every school thought they were original. We have the core four, the sexcellent seven, the sexy seven, the six chicks, the crazy eights, the fine nines, the six packs, the naughty nines, the inseparable seven. <laughs> we don't talk anymore. <laughs> this is what I mean. It's like if you are Rachel Hollis and Dave Hollis fawning over each other publicly on social media, it's like, just say that to each other. Why do you got to put it in a caption? It's, it's, it's red flags all around. The more explicit you have to be about the nature of what it is, the more it's probably not that thing. Uh, the 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 fine nine, which dwindled dwindled to the Fab Five. My God, the carnage! How you lost four members? Is this in one season? Wow, the four loco the four locos, but there were five of us. <laughs> I get it. Maybe you were just hoping to make cuts eventually. You, you know, just like the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, you usually take two extra girls, and assuming in training camp you have to drop them. But when there's five of you, you know, there are plenty of options. For example, in Vanessa Carlton's White Houses, in my heart, it's the five of us. I just kind of like the five of us. That's sweet. But again, hyper-specific pop culture reference, which brings me to my pop culture category. Uh, well, speaking of numbers, funny enough, what I said earlier, there is a group that call themselves the Sixpence. Don't know if it has to do with uh, Victorian-level change. Did we figure out if that was a thing or not? Or um, the Kiss Me crooners from She's All That. But hey, hope you were none the richer. Uh, Soul Sisters, because of Lady Marmalade. Horror Island. Uh, I do believe, is that, what, is that old school or something? I feel like there's a whole, uh, sector, a whole, um, generation of young men whose personality is based entirely off of quotes from Will Ferrell movies, predominantly old school. Uh, Girls to Women, a play on boys to men. Yes, I love that. <laughs> the frap pack <laughs> like the brat pack but we love frappuccino <laughs> how does it good for you i might have i should have put that in the alarming privilege category because those things are like six dollars the graveyard girls yikes you did you just see now and now and then and like do a seance i we, we did a lot of like seancey type stuff eh, not ever in a graveyard though so what i'm hoping is you did just you know focus mostly on playing ghost in the graveyard which is, I think, superior to capture the flag. Less stressful, um, but the key is to find somebody to hide with who is willing to make out with you. Didn't have some, that, that, I didn't have much luck in that department. Also, I drank a Red Bull and I feel like it's making me stutter. I mean, how much caffeine is in this thing? I didn't sleep a lot last night and I found one in my fridge. I'm a little jacked up. Uh, 2000s. Up in Smoke Tour. So we called ourselves the UISTs. Wait, I think I know what that is. Wait, up in... Is that like Eminem? Up in Smoke... Oh, yeah. The tour was originally called Boys in the Hood under the pretext of Dr. Dre's to be... Released collaborative album The Chronic 2000, later renamed. September 99, Snoop Dogg stated that he, Dr. Dre, Eminem, Exhibit, Warren G, and Nate Dogg would form the lineup... Wow, 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 that's amazing. And I support the UISTs. Would love to be a part of it. Uh, let's see here. What else do we have? The uh, Caribou Crew. As I, 
because <laughs> they exclusively hung out at Caribou Coffees. You know, please fast forward if you're, you live in Minnesota or maybe Canada. I know a lot of you are uh, members of the, I don't know, what would you, Caribou bourgeoisie. Uh, <laughs> but I called it the, uh, I, I was like, oh, I'm surprised you'd hang your hat on the Android of coffee chains on Instagram. Was not prepared for the Minnesota backlash. Normally people are perfectly pleasant, but that did not sit well. And, you know, for that, I'm sorry. But I still might, you know, I don't know if... I, I feel like caribou is just, it's its fine, but I didn't grow up with it. And it's usually the more disappointing option at an airport, if I'm being honest. Uh, but if that's your favorite coffee chain, I support that. I do like to order a latte that is turtle flavored, where they put sugar-free vanilla, caramel, and chocolate in the same latte. It's actually quite good. Um, this group was called Pangea, which large landmass at the beginning of time. Gotta love that. I like to think that you really thought through the metaphor of this in terms of the plate tectonic-like shift friendships taken adulthood. Some countries are at war, some are allies, some are conjoined, landlocked, tied forever. Some drift like Antarctica and you never hear from them again because they deactivate their Facebook accounts. Life is a road and I want to keep going. Love is a river. I want to keep flowing. This Red Bull is just really making me a poet. And lastly, we have alarming privilege. Um, the Burberry bitch. <laughs> like so what i don't know is if you know this is a case of you saying that because you didn't wear burberry like wanted to be or if you guys really amassed that much you know classic tan plaid uh you know that many accessories amongst yourselves it's just kind of these the privilegey ones make me laugh because it's just like call yourselves the disposable income dynasty like i don't know it's a little just like like this one is the sea do crew you all have jet skis does every i mean i'm impressed i'm jealous you have houses on the water you have that fu second home lifestyle that Really, you can only be in a friend crew with people that understand your plight. Otherwise, somebody might be freeloading like me. I love to freeload off a second home. Invite me anytime. This confuses me too. Bug thugs, because we drove VW bugs. Okay, please. Okay. You have multiple friends that all drove Volkswagen bugs, beetle bugs. What's the formal name? I think it's a Volkswagen beetle. Uh, Beetles are the late 90s IMAX of cars. They come in these candy colors and these cute cartoon-like shapes with soft corners that collectively look so great together, but individually are kind of like, why is your computer hot pink in the back and see-through? You know, it's like you're in isolation, like Beetles, Volkswagen Beetles, they're so cute, but they're so old-timey. And it's also like if I was going to draw a cartoon car, I would draw that car. Uh, but if you grew up around the same time I did, that's when the Beetle convertibles came out and those were fire. So I do understand that. My friend for one summer had a cabrio and we cruised around town. We got Slurpees. We got Chinese takeout. We went to the pool. We would walk right past the lady who checked you in and signed your damp piece of paper that seem to, you know, have more power than the hostess at Nobu Malibu because she determined if you were actually attached to a member that had, you know, previously told them that you could come and use their name. There were so many scandals about putting people's names down at the pool who weren't actual members. It was a whole thing. Is, anyone, is that an unrelatable suburban thing? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I always, my pool, I, I liked it, but it was kind of not like, it wasn't the premier pool. It wasn't a country club and it, and it didn't have a snack bar. 
um, there was a, a place called Raintree in Richmond that I always wanted to be a part of because it had a high dive and a snack bar. And if I can experience a rush of adrenaline doing a, you know, 20 foot can opener and then open up a can of Barks root beer and, you know, to solve the world's problems over a chicken tender basket at a slightly uncomfortable uh, outdoor chair that it kind of has those, there's like those, I call it striped, but it's not it. There, it's almost these, it's a rubber material and there are planks of, that you sit on. And if you're kind of wet, it pinches your skin in between like the gaps of these like rubber planks. Does anyone know what I'm, it's kind of like the classic, uh, you know, not lawn chair. I guess maybe it's a lawn chair. And I just never understood that design in terms of obviously seating people who have on bathing suits, who just experienced the rush of a lifetime on the high dive, whatever. Where was I? I mean, there's so many I missed. I, what, 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 I just saw Beaver Nation. Like, what? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, I, I was in alarming privilege category. Um, after the bug thugs, also thugs. I mean, I can't like if a thug driving a VW Beetle. Also, again, all so like, did you friend you and your friends coordinate that? Is my question. Like, all of your parents were willing to buy you brand new VW Beetles, or at least slightly used, or at least lease them. Like, that's conf- I am so confused by parents that buy sixteen-year-old bad drivers brand new cars. That is insane to me. Uh. I get like wanting them to be safe and have like a decently updated car, maybe if you can afford that. But hey, I don't think it's apparent. I mean, I don't know. I don't think you have to give your kids a car and they could save up for one and like figure it out. And B, I think that it's like, what are you working toward in life if you get the absolute nicest thing at the very first point of entry into a life phase? If you start driving, well, at least in my day, you know, and we're gifted the the Maybach of the senior lot of, you know, yellow Toyota Celica, maybe a red Mitsubishi Eclipse. Uh, you know, non-luxury uh, sports car that no one cares because I didn't understand cars. I was just like, damn, that has a spoiler. I don't know what that does, but it looks fierce. Uh, some might argue, I don't know, the Range Rover of the senior lot was more akin to a Toyota 4Runner. Cool girls always had 4Runners or Jeeps. Um, I just, you know, if you can afford that for your children, that's awesome. I would just warn you not to destroy pleasure centers early on by giving them the apex from the start, only allowing them to laterally move or get worse, therefore having nothing to look forward to or work toward. I think it's fun to save up for something, you know? <laughs> but again, I don't know. Do people have jobs anymore? What's Gen Z up to? I had so many jobs in high school and college. I don't even, it, I just, I don't know, whatever. My parents uh, were very nice and helped me with the car. I started with a 1990 Gold Civic, um, you know, didn't have electric windows. I kind of loved the manual labor the the elbow grease that i put had to put into rolling the windows up and down um you know speaking of the pool i did rear end uh a friend's new vw red jetta another cool girl car um and just came home and was like hi sorry <laughs> i rear-ended her car um anyway can i go to the pool because like i was honestly i wasn't derailed that i smashed the front of my car i was like derailed that i didn't get to go to the pool and was worried that the gatekeeper at the sign-in point probably wouldn't let me in because my friends would be too preoccupied by the high dive and i wouldn't be able to reach them because we weren't really doing the whole cell phone thing to this degree at this point in life i actually i didn't tell my mom was going to the pool and i rear-ended her because i was checking a voicemail from my mom on my like kiosera or whatever anyways my parents are angels i was such a brat at times and they helped me out tremendously. And like I said, I'm a woman of great privilege for 
their assistance, especially in the motor vehicle department. But I don't know. I don't have a car now, but I'm going to be maybe excited when I ultimately, you know, save up and, you know, fulfill my dreams and find a purple geo tracker with a turquoise racing stripe. <laughs> I, I need to all wrap up. We have a few more, you know, the the uh, collar pop crew, the uh, water lilies, but about Lily Pulitzer. I mean, talk about a high cost, high barrier to entry under $20. Unflattering sundress, Le Cinq Desses. It means the five goddesses en français. I, just, I love the ones that are like, you know, we just learned French. Let's pretend we're classy Parisian gals and make it so all you clowns in Spanish have no idea what we're talking about. But your name was probably like, uh, you know, Je suis agenfé, like the Muzzy commercials. How I bring up Muzzy all the time. Yes, that's French they're speaking. I loved those ads, and I wonder what that woman's up to. She had very uh, round, cartoonish-like uh, Patty Mayonnaise-style hair. Um, pony pals, we met at Pony Camp. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> that is that's ama- that's amazing, uh, alarming privilege group to end on. I have so many questions. I don't, I I learned recently, I think through reading people's blind spots, that ponies are not baby horses. They're like a different breed of horse. But then I'm confused about when Lisa Vanderpump and Lisa Rinna got on that jet to go pick up those small horses that actually seemed to have like a genetic problem. What were those? And like, it's just the most cliche childhood thing. Like, I want to be a princess. I want a pony. And people that actually got ponies, like, are you kidding? (laughs) Good for you. Not for me. I I can't peak that early. Uh, the, I would have I would have passed out. I would have loved that so much. I just don't know how what would have happened from then on out. But I guess if you are at camp, you don't own the pony. You probably leave the pony there. I don't, you know, this is what I, horse girls, horse culture is so, is a world I don't know a ton about. It's expensive. The, you know, young ladies, the, the horse girls, a great posture. Had a lot of graphic tees with horses on it. Always checked out Misty of Shinkatig or Black Beauty from the library. Um, they kind of like would trot when they would run the mile for the presidential fitness exam. There are many characteristics of a quintessential horse girl. Typically, they are brunette, but not always. I, and a lot of people had names like Vanessa, Victoria, um, but neither here nor there. Pony girls, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't know how to adequately stereotype you because I've never met a pony girl <laughs> or pony pal, rather. Um... It's also funny, too, because My Little Ponies, I, I'm just I'm fascinated by Pony Camp. And uh, great song by Genuine. Great times had in childhood, I'm sure. I would love to hear more from any and all of you about any of the clarifying questions I have. <laughs> anyway, you guys, I should wrap up. You are the best. I hope you enjoyed this episode. This was a very random snorkel, but I had a great time. And I hope you didn't mind my last hour of uh, trying to just stay afloat with Red Bull, because what actually did happen is that I stayed, I, before I finished this episode, I was going to go to bed last night because I had a busy day today, and I ended up staying up and watching Paris Hilton's documentary, and I can't snorkel through it. I need to talk about it separately, but I just don't know in what format, so we'll figure that out. There's so many things I want to talk about, but like, I don't know, you guys. <laughs> it was really, I, long story short, I'm going to talk about it at some point. Um, I know I'm like delayed with putting stuff out, but it's always like a when something's current, it's like, A, I have to watch it and then like think about it, analyze it, take notes. 
Sometimes I want to find somebody else to do it with me. Then by the time we schedule, by the time I get the audio figured out, by the time I edit it, it's just, there's such a, a lag time and I'm impressed by people that get things done quickly. Um, and anyway, I just always want to, you know, tell you guys what I'm thinking about covering. If you want to watch it, go on YouTube. It's called This is Paris. It's thought provoking. It's interesting. It's fascinating. It looks at her life through a different lens. I also, um, she talks a lot about her trauma, her being sent to troubled girls boarding schools and the abuse she endured. I mean, it's really powerful and interesting. And I have a lot of thoughts about the way we perceive women in, as public figures, as I always do. But I would say Paris is one that I wrote off as being somewhat shallow, vapid, kind of infantile. Uh, that I just something, a person I just so don't relate to, I had trouble investing in, you know. But I thought she was a much more dynamic, interesting character in this documentary. Um, also, I highly recommend reading Emily Ratajkowski's uh, essays she wrote for The Cut about her experience like with the usage of the images of her body and their usage in art, their sale by the paparazzi, uh, her being exploited with uh, Polaroids taken by a man who sexually assaulted her and sold them uh, in the form of a hardcover $80 book that he had four reprints of. I mean, it's disgusting. It's sick. It was just, it was upsetting. It was empowering. She's a great writer. I thought about her completely differently. I just, I don't know anything about her. And, but, but you know, besides her Instagram photos and while your body, your choice, it, I, I am a person that struggles to find that. Um, I struggle to find the, happy medium between uh empowering and exploitative and when somebody i'd never hear them talk and they're constantly just making everything about their body i'm like i wish this had more balance um but then again i want people to do whatever the hell they want with their body and not judge them for it and i'm not perfect in how i perceive this but it really just made me think like yeah my modeling is different it's its own art form it's a, your job and your poses and your body or your job and it's like when you're I think it's just a different thing that I view so thirst trappy, but it's not the same when that's your actual career. I don't know, whatever. I highly recommend it. Other than that, um, if you would like this episode at all, if you'd share with a friend, that'd be cool. Uh, not just cool, I would love it. My DMs are like a little destroyed from the American Girl recap. I just am so thankful you guys even were interested in that. Um, so if you uh tag this if you're public and you tag this in your story i'll get to see it because it's there's a separate notification outside of dms that i get to see when people tag me in their stories and i love it there's a powerpoint party this weekend on sunday you can join at patreon.com slash be there in five what else what else what else what other desperate uh measures do i need to go to to get to you to share rate review all the things i don't know i'm just glad you're here thank you for being here letting me ramble through random stuff you know venture into incredibly uh, niche crossover topics uh share with you my childhood memories as i went home allow me to play hopscotch with seriousness and a variety of topics you guys are awesome thanks for letting me be me thank you for your support i love you so much have the best week you know what they say a year older none the wiser six pence none the poor <laughs> Here's to next year, becoming none the richer. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Also, if my name was Richard, I would definitely want to do something with sixpence none the Richard, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, here's a magical song called Kiss Me from She's All That, which will soon be He's All That. And as always, let me know your thoughts, and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five, I swear.
me.